Okay, so here we are. My name is Diana Kaufman, and I have a podcast called College Advice in Nanoseconds. And today, as my guest, I have a very interesting person. His name is Yuri Nair, and he um, sent me a very interesting mission statement, which I am going to uh, use as his introduction. He says, I want to help people live their best lives by improving their minds and with it, their health, wealth, and relationships. And that he says, that's why I started the Awkward Mind podcast, where every week we have meaningful conversations with real people about the th things that truly matter. I was very impressed because that's exactly who Beauty is. So welcome, Beauty. Awesome. Thank you, Diana. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very happy to have you. And, and uh, if you could maybe tell us a little bit of your background, that because you mentioned you were born in the Soviet Union, and maybe you can give us a little bit of that background. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So like you said, yeah, I was born in what is now Belarus. It's a small former Soviet state. And uh, my family emigrated shortly after the collapse of the Soviet Union to the United States when I was 11. And so I grew up, my childhood started there, but then I, I grew up in, in New York and uh, went on to discover theater just as a hobby in high school because we all had to join a club. And so I joined uh, a technical theater club to support all of the backstage production needs of uh, theater productions. And it just kind of stuck and I went with the flow and our guidance counselor actually in our college office just rec recommended a university for me that was close because I wanted to stay close to New York because if I was going to be involved with theater, it just made sense to stay near New York since I was already here. And yes, yeah, so I wound up going to a small liberal arts college and studying technical theater and production and getting my, my BFA in tech theater and design and then went on to make that a 15-year career. I didn't even know that existed as a, as a major, imagine. I mean, uh, that's fascinating that, that there is a whole technical, uh, you know, major for, of course, the support of, of the theater. Mm -hmm. It sounds logical once you look into it, mm -hmm. you know. So, and then um, what, uh, and then, then going to what uh, really is interesting for me with my podcast is, of course, everything that has to do with college and college advice. Mm -hmm. So uh, what do you remember most about those college years and why? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. I, I think for me, it was actually the unusual experiences that I remember most. And that came from actually being in technical theater. And we, you know, I went to Adelphi University as a small liberal arts college out on Long Island here in, in New York. And, you know, and, and people joke because it used to be one of the first in the book because the name started with A. So people used to joke that that's why people go there because it's the first on the list, but it's not necessarily so, but it's located in, on a beautiful campus in Garden City. And for our productions, we would sometimes need to create outdoor scenes or something like that. So we would collect all trees that the groundskeepers needed to get rid of anyway. So we'd get to ride around on like tractors around campus, right? So while all these, you know, college kids are just going about their business, like going from, you know, class to class, here's the theater kids riding around on tractors, collecting shrubbery for, for a production. So fun experiences like that. And, you know, getting, getting to ride around in golf carts, which was 
technically against the rules for students, but you know, we kind of skirted that sometimes. Oh, that's so great. That, was fun. that sounds yeah. That sounds like great fun. I can I can mm -hmm. well understand that. And of course, it's a little bit kind of a of a career that's that's outside the box because mm -hmm. you know you can do that kind of thing or you need to do that kind of thing. And and generally mm -hmm. in the other careers you don't do anything like that. I mean, run around in tractors, mm -hmm. correct collecting trees. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, who was your best? teacher and why or teachers and why mm -hmm. were they so compelling yeah so i, I know I, I saw that question you you asked me about it offline and mm -hmm. the one the one that came to mind was actually my physics professor sean bentley and i think it's because even though it has nothing to do with theater ironically but it's just a, a course i took over the summer because i needed a, a science to fulfill a science requirement and I had taken physics in high school and it was, it was just, I was terrible at it. I just, I didn't get it, which my dad wasn't too happy because he's a, his background is in physics. So he loves physics. So he wasn't too, too thrilled, but I just couldn't in high school, couldn't connect with the teacher. And I just was, I was more interested in, in doing theater, you know, as a junior in high school and just wasn't, didn't do well in physics. But then to fulfill this science requirement in college, I said, okay, I'm gonna give it a second shot. And so I took physics over the summer with uh, Professor Bentley and I just absolutely loved it. And it's because he was just really passionate and really excited about physics. And he was also really excited about teaching, which was huge, right? That, that helps when you know that a teacher is there to actually share their knowledge as opposed to just get, go through the motions and get you to pass a test or something like that, it makes it for a, a huge difference in the learning experience, I think, and it certainly did for me. And the other thing that I liked about him is he actually got us to think outside the box. So it was more than just going through the motions and learning the formulas or learning the rules of physics, if you will, or the laws of physics, I should say. It was also about thinking critically and really being able to verify in your mind, well, does this answer logically make sense? And so he got us to think through a lot of the problems in our head rather than just relying on the formula. And so that's what I like a lot. And so that's why somehow when you asked me that question, that's jumped out at me more than any of the theater professors for better or worse. <laughs> that's an amazing uh, story that you're, you're telling us because it's true, you know about, if you have a professor that you can really feel the passion and you know he's there or she's there, then it does make a world of difference. And this is where I, I really look forward to someday seeing teachers in high school particularly, and of course in college, be that way, you know, 100%, rather than just, you know, a rote job. So very, very important. And did you ever follow up on anything about physics or that was it, that was your course and that was it? Or, or, or what did you take away from that? What did it, and you know, how did it, hit, it influence you later because it was such an impact in your life? Well, just, that's a great question. I think real, realizing that you, you know, the professor plays and the teacher plays a huge role in how you experience, you know, a subject and just so being being on the lookout for that. But as far as physics, no, unfortunately, beyond the basics, I didn't follow up. Although I think, I mean, we're surrounded by laws of physics every day, whether we realize it or not. So in that sense, I, I did take it away. And it actually does tie into when you when you think about technical theater and having to 
build something and put it together, the, the basics of physics actually do come into play. And it's important. So it's important to know that. And in order to if, do things safely, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And if since you're such a techie, and mm -hmm. did that whole also physics course and and everything that you've done with lighting and being a, a technical uh, support of of you know the theater, did that play into it too? I'm I'm just wondering. To a degree, I actually wish I'd done more. One of the things that I was disappointed by in the college experience is how departmentalized everything was. And there wasn't enough encouragement to pull from different departments. For example, we had a huge film department on campus that I didn't even know about really until towards the end. And that would have been actually invaluable as for someone studying lighting, there are huge crossover and huge connections there, but it just, it wasn't encouraged. And I think it's just something that comes with the territory of just all, all departments are kind of these closed groups that just are trying to get through, you know, their own curriculum and then not really taught, you know, to think outside the box and think of, okay, how can we create a custom experience for our students and really give them all of the tools that the university as a whole has to offer as opposed to just the small college that they are part of. Yeah, I think you might see that more that that inter interrelationship between departments in the larger universities, um, because there are so many more students than in a small college, and and then kind of, uh, I don't know if the organization is different or mm -hmm. you know their their information systems are different, and and then you know they let them know, and I think maybe today that's a little different in 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 most colleges from what. I'm, thinking, I'm think, think, thinking about it here from what I know. They try to be a lot more meshed because mm -hmm. the interests are so varied and, and they need to keep their students interested, you know. So I think mm -hmm. that's a good point you're making that probably the universities realized that that was missing, you know, mm -hmm. that interrelationship between the departments. Yeah. So good point, good point. Yeah, um, and that's good to hear for sure because now I was just going to just add real quick because it's interesting. It's not like we were discouraged. It's, you could absolutely do it, but you had to do the work. So you had to realize first that it was available and then go and seek it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes even when, when you're a student, you don't quite have that maturity to reach out or to, you know, mm -hmm. really go into it or maybe, you know, you're timid or whatever. So if, if the, the whole college, you know, creates that, uh, mindset of just getting people together and getting all the departments together and we're offering this and you can jump from here to there and you know i mean you even see it in the small colleges like in in the massachusetts near the boston area they've actually created a consortium so that it, they're all quite near and so you can go from one they might not have i don't know i'll say physics for saying something and then you can go and take physics in the college next door or the maybe you know so that has been very helpful with the little ones because you know, they only have so much available to them, you know, as far as, as uh, income is concerned. So then they help each other. And then, then, you, then you can keep the whole uh, cohort of students together also, you know, and, mm. and bring all those varied interests. So I, I was quite fascinated to, you know, to watch as that developed. Um, so good point, good point. Um, so uh, another question I have for you is what was your greatest uh, challenge in college? 
Yeah, it's, it's something I still struggle with, you know, some 15 to 18, 18 years later, and that's procrastination. I just, I was really excited about theater. And so I wanted to do that. And I love doing that and all of the hands-on stuff. And I was not as interested in academics, even though I enjoyed discussions in, in you know, during the courses, but I wasn't as interested in then taking that discussion and really organizing it into some coherent, let's say paper. That was not something I was excited about is, is writing papers was just my Achilles keel. All, all through college and I would just procrastinate and procrastinate. And the thing about college is you're most of the time, you know, you go out and you're on your own for the first time and you really have to organize yourself. And there will always be someone who is willing to hang out at any given time. So there's opportunities for distractions the whole, the whole time, right? So even though all of your friends would have done all their work, at any given time, someone is available to hang out or play video games or whatever. So you have to be very careful with that. So that, that was my biggest challenge is just the opportunities for procrastination were infinite. And <laughs> I can imagine. And that does take a lot of self-discipline and learning mm -hmm. to be on your own and learning to organize your time. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. with my high school students, they all say that their biggest challenge is time management, mm -hmm. you know. So that's an interesting point that you're bringing up, definitely. Mm. Um, what would you recommend to an incoming freshman class? Mm. Yeah, I would say you have to understand why you're going to college and what you want to accomplish, right? So I, I would say maybe it's a little harsh, but don't go just because it's the popular thing to do or you think you have to. Because too often, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's the impression I'm getting, even, even though I've been obviously out of, out of college for, for a while now. But the impression that I'm getting is that we've created a society now that relies too much on the college degree. And so people go more for the name than to actually build a foundation that will help them create the kind of future that they really want for their life. Yeah, that's a good so, so point. That's, that you, so that's, that's what I would say. Be, be really, no, it's, it's fine. Yeah, be really clear. On, on the plan of why, why are you there? And make sure it's because you wanna be there and not because someone told you you had to do it. Yeah, that's, a, that's an important point. And, and that's why I'm, I'm, as I mentioned, when we were off, off the recording that I'm going to take this course in the University of Berkeley for career counseling, because if I can sit down with my students, even though they're not that many, but you know, start to um, give them that kind of counseling and find out what they love, what they don't, you know, what uh, makes their hearts go pitter-patter or their tummy, mm. you know, get tight because, oh, this is exciting, you know, or this is scary, but I want to do it anyway, you know. Mm. So I, I really think that's a very important point that you've brought up because it isn't, mm. if you're going to spend four years somewhere, I mean, go and do it because you're totally in love with what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know. So thank you very much for bringing that up. Very important. Um, so what would you say to a graduating class? Well, on, on the encouraging note, I would say that anything that you want in life, you can absolutely achieve. You just have to be prepared to work hard for it, right? So learn if you haven't, if you were like me and you haven't learned the lesson about procrastination in your four years, then, then now is the time to really hunker down and develop that self-discipline and accountability for yourself so that you can really go forward and, and build a plan and, and realize that, you know, that's why I love that it's called 
uh, commencement. It's a commencement ceremony, which means not the end, but the beginning, right? And I know it's a cliche now, but that's, that really is, it couldn't be truer. And there's a reason for that because college is supposed to give you just a foundation and some basic skills on how to continue to learn more than anything else. That's the number one skill. And if somehow you miss that, then you now, it's now your responsibility because you're now out in the real world to build on that skill of learning because the world, and we've seen that especially now in the last six months, but the world is always changing. And so it's important to also not get locked into, oh, well, I've learned that in college, so I have to keep doing it this way. That's not always going to be the case. You have to be prepared to change and pivot. And at the end of the day, just that's why you can just follow your passion and really achieve anything you want. Just, just keep working at it. I love that. I love what you said. That is so, so important. The continual learning that it is a beginning. It is the commencement, you know, and it's just, we have to be lifelong learners. You know, before I used to think it was just the doctors or the engineers who had to do it, you know, but I realized that it's every single one of us that needs to just keep learning and evolving and probably changing careers, reinventing yourself. I mean, it's, it's, you know, mm -hmm. My example, I mean, how many times have I reinvented myself? How many times have you reinvented mm -hmm. yourself? You know, that's just part of our, of this modern world, you know, and I do find it very exciting. It's very scary mm -hmm. at times, but it's very exciting too, you know, and at times a mm -hmm. lot of fun. So mm -hmm. how do you see education evolving in the future or, and what changes would you like to see happening in education, mm -hmm. whether it's high school or college, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever level? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I haven't given it a lot of thought, but what I would say is we need to get back to a more practical education system that really, again, sort of to go back on what I would, I would say to the graduating class, it's the same idea as we, we need to teach the students how to learn rather than just hammer facts into their brain. Because at, at this point, it doesn't work, right? I have all the facts at my fingertips. I can just, I can just look up anything because you used to, you know, have to go and look stuff up in the encyclopedia, right? Everyone that was, you, you knew your family cared about knowledge if you had that, you know, whatever 27 volume Encyclopedia Britannica, right? In, in your house. Now you have that in, in your phone. So, so you can look it up. So it's not about facts. It's about really learning practical skills and the other thing, and this might be an unpopular opinion, especially maybe for this podcast, but just also realizing that you don't always have to, uh, you don't necessarily have to go to college. You can, and if you think that you need that four years, but again, goes back to what I said earlier, don't think that you have to do it because someone else is telling you, or it's the popular thing to do, it's what society expects you to do. Because plenty of successful people ne never went. So you have to make sure that you're going for the right reason. So we have to create an education system that provides all sorts of different opportunities and not just continually, you know, pumping out more lawyers and doctors than we know what to do with. Because that's part of the challenge is that everyone goes into it thinking that that's the cool profession, you know, that's going to give them the most amount of money. But the challenge is we now have more than we know what to do with. And so a lot of them are struggling because it's also not the, le the most you know, affordable education to get is as a lawyer or as a doctor. And 
so that leads to all sorts of challenges because we've created this generation that was told that that's what you had to do to be successful. And now we have more lawyers and doctors than we know what to do with. That's a very good point. And I don't think, I mean, of course, uh, in a sense, yes, okay, it's unpopular to say it because I'm a college advisor. But at the same time, I have often run into students who, you know, I, I sometimes think I'm not so sure how, you know, well they will do in college or maybe they'll find their niche in college. That's usually my hope that even though they're, they're not quite, you know, ready to become a doctor or, you know, a lawyer, as you say, mm -hmm. but, you know, we, we, there is a little bit more leeway and I wish there was more and I hope that we can transmit that also that, you know, you can do, you can become a programmer, you can become, uh, you know, these kids who study all these technical things or, you know, how to create games. I mean, the game kids, you know, um, because they're all people who think outside the box and also that their learning is a very different format than the learning that you get in, in, a, in a classroom, a classical classroom. So very good point because, uh, you know, it's, it is, it is important. Hey, you don't want to go to college. Maybe you want to be a, a mechanic, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you want to be a technician, a te uh, you know, a, a, a computer technician. And I mean, and that's a very, you know, important and fun uh, profession also. So good mm -hmm. point. Good point. No, no, it's not unpopular at all. You know, I think it's great. You it up. Um, so uh, tell me about an aha moment that you've had that's really left a, a mark in your life. Well, the, the biggest aha moment that I've had recently was something that I wish I, I had learned in retrospect in college because it would have helped me with procrastination. And that's the idea that perfectionism is actually procrastination in disguise. And there's different forms of procrastination, but that's something I actually picked up from Brian Rose relatively recently. And it's the idea that we wait to do something until we have all of the exact skills and all of the steps perfectly lined up to get the perfect result. And the truth is, it'll never be perfect. And so eventually you just have to take action. And so if you wait for it to be perfect, you'll never do it. So don't wait, just start. And you'll actually be able to perfect it over time. And it'll actually get closer to perfect, whatever it is you're trying to do, if you just start. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful point. I, I, now that you mentioned it, I remember Brian saying that mm -hmm. in, in uh, you know, when we were taking the Broadcast Yourself course. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's true, you just have to dive in. There's nothing else. And, and what a good point you've made. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was huge because I was a, a perfectionist and a procrastinator. So when he tied the two together, that was a big aha moment. That's wonderful. And isn't it wonderful you discovered it now? You know, think of all the things, you know, I'm discovering at my age. So wonderful. I think, I think the moment is perfect. You might not have understood it had somebody mentioned that when, when you were in college. You know, it's possible too. So That's true. I'm very yeah, happy for absolutely. you. Yeah. And I'm very happy for me too, because I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist, you know, even though I've learned with age to just dive in mm -hmm. and get, and just go, yeah, you know, absolutely. You have to. Yeah. Even though I have resistance, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. <laughs> um, and tell me about an absorbing book you're reading and, mm -hmm. and why is it so fascinating? Yeah, so, so a book I read re recently, this was actually another aha moment in a way. 
It's called Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. And the central thesis of the book is exactly what the title says, is that willpower doesn't work. A lot of times we try to force ourselves using our willpower to overcome challenges like resistance without realizing that everything around us is actually set up to make, to make us fail. And so what we actually have to do is change our environment, right? So for example, if you're trying to kick that bad habit of just, you know, sitting in front of the TV in the evening and eating Doritos, well, the only way that you're going to, to stop that habit is not to try to force yourself not to open that bag of Doritos, the way you're really going to do it is to get rid of the Doritos entirely, right? So if you change your environment, then you don't need willpower because you don't have, you've, you've taken away the bad choices. So you create an environment in which the only choices that you have to make or the automatic choices, as I think he calls them in the book, are the ones that are going to get you closer to the goal, the, the ones that are going to get you to create those positive habits. What an interesting point. I like that. I like that very much. Mm -hmm. Excellent. 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 Um, so how, please tell us uh, and talk to us about your Awkward uh, Mind podcast, which is right now the center of your attention and which I enjoy very much following you. So I learn a lot. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. I, I'd love to. Yeah. So the idea came when I was on social media during this pandemic, trying to have nuanced conversations about the issues that we were really facing as a society and challenges we were having. And the resistance that I've encountered is that everyone just wanted to politicize every single small point and just go to their respective corners and just keep fighting rather than really trying to get at the core issues and realize that there were a lot of forces in play that were designed to divide us and we were just playing into it. And so when I came across the Broadcast Yourself course, I realized, well, here's an upper perfect opportunity since we're all sort of on pause anyway, to learn a new skill and maybe have these real meaningful conversations that I was failing at having on social media. And so that's how the Awkward Mind podcast came to be. And the reason it's awkward is because that's that's how my mind is and that's that's how i am or although now i'm told that that's not the case anymore thanks to the course and thanks to the podcast but it's a catchy name but yeah i would consider myself uh, someone who's an introvert and someone who's a little socially awkward so that was also another aspect of it is just breaking past that barrier and building those meaningful connections because i do believe that we're sitting each and every one of us listening us sitting on the greatest real estate in the world and we just don't take the time to develop it and it's it's the nine inches between our ears right it's it's our mind and if we just spend the time to develop that then all of the things we want in life like better health and increased wealth and yes those strong lasting meaningful relationships they would all come as a byproduct of just developing our mind and so that's why that's why i started the awkward mind podcast to have these meaningful conversations to inspire people to develop their minds and build better lives for themselves. 
That's fascinating. I mean, what a great idea. And, and, and has it turned out to be satisfying that you're, you know, you've made these connections with people that are on your podcast? And, oh, absolutely. And figuring out all of these issues? Absolutely. And as, I, as I've said early on, and I still say it, it's as much a selfish endeavor in that I learn and I get empowered from these conversations, first and foremost. And I hope that it helps others out there as well. And, and I know that it does. And I, and I always say that even if just each episode impacts just one person, then I would have done, then I would have done my job. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. I have to say that, that I also enjoy the whole podcast, you know, uh, work and uh, connecting with people. And I also learn very, very much. And I hope also that at least I reach one person. <laughs> also, so yeah, great, great. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the great thing about it too, is it actually transformed my relationship with social media as well, as an aside, because when I started putting that positive energy out there, it actually changed the experience that I was having on social media. And I realized that at the end of the day, social media is just a reflection of who we are. And if we're able to transform ourselves, then the social media will transform around us. And so I don't get as much of that negative, you know, bickering and fighting on my newsfeed on Facebook, for example. And it's because I was able to transform myself and how I approached it. So there is a byproduct. The irony is the thing that I was trying to do on social media that I failed to do as a result of the podcast that came full circle and actually changed my social media experience. That is fascinating. You know, what, what a fantastic, uh, you know, idea or, or result of just putting yourself out there and learning something new and, and doing it. That's, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations. I like that very much. And tell me, um, what was your greatest, what has been or is your greatest challenge since you left college? or maybe closer to now, uh, whatever, you know, you'd like to, to mention. Sure. No, that's, that's a great question, Diana. Um, what, what I would say is I sort of floated along for many year, years, because even, you know, technical theater and design and getting into lighting, it all came as just a hobby that I discovered in, in high school. And then I was just kind of pushed along. And I made it a career, right, which in a way is kind of cool. You could say, oh, I've made a, I've turned my hobby into a, a career and something that I was able to make money from for all these years. But at the same time, I realized it was never my major purpose in life. And so I never dedicated enough time to really focus on a specific field within theater. I just kind of floated along and took the projects that came along rather than really honing in and developing the skills that could really propel me. And I realized because I think it's because in the back of my mind, I knew that it wasn't something that I was really truly passionate about. If I was really honest with myself, it's something I enjoyed well enough as a hobby. And the fact that people were willing to pay me to do, you know, certain aspects of the, of that work was wonderful for many years. But I, I realized I've actually started coming to that realization even before the pandemic and the pandemic just really allowed me the time and the space to step back and really reevaluate and realize that I think that career has run its course for me and that it's time to really do something different and realize, okay, where can I really apply myself and where can I really make a difference in this world? And so that's been, that's been the biggest challenge in, 
is that I realized that I was for 15 years or, or so, 15 to 20 years, I've basically been doing a hobby that I enjoy well enough rather than pursuing something greater as far as a major life purpose. Yeah, and I wonder though, I've, I've always wondered that from, from my perspective that, you know, I think it's, it's just a whole, you know, you go along and you keep learning and you keep, you know, honing into new skills. And then you, you know, you, you, as you say, that your career of lighting came to its, its end because you obviously had done or learned or produced what you needed to do. And then it was time for something new. And this does happen in our lives, you know, and I think also that's something that I would like to see in, in education, whether it is at a high school level or a college level, that we do have these changes. We do do something for a certain amount of time and then that's done, ready, you know, finished, done, done that, you know. And so it's, it's been there, done that, like they say in, in, in the United States. So, and then it's fine to move on. And I, I think it's very exciting because it does bring us all these wonderful new ideas and, and, and changes and, you know, new ways to communicate. So wonderful, wonderful. I really like that. Um, and then would you like to include any subjects or issues that you think are important to add to this uh, podcast as a way of, you know, ending it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last thing I say, and that's been the biggest realization for me, and it's one of my core values. It's actually the core value that I base the rest of my life around. And that's the, the value of uh, personal responsibility. It may, it may sound harsh and for someone who's had it relatively easy in life, it, it, you know, it took some time to come to this realization. And I think the faster we can all learn this, the, the better. But it's this idea that at the end of the day, no one is coming to save you. And whatever life you wanna build for yourself, it's, it's up to you. And, and there's this stigma on this idea of uh, personal responsibility or individualism as being somehow selfish but I actually look at it as the most selfless act because it's being stigmatized as a way of, I'm going to think only about myself and not think about others. But I think that's a misrepresentation of what it is, at least to me, the way I look at individualism and the way I look at taking personal responsibility for your life is just that is I'm not going to burden others with my challenges unless it's absolutely necessary. And so I'm going to build my own life and provide for myself first so that I can be a productive member of the collective rather than forming a collective that to me actually is made up of very selfish individuals who all say me, 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 me within that collective. And, and they hide under that umbrella that says, well, we're thinking about the collective. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. So yeah, I would encourage everyone to take personal responsibility for their lives and realize that Whatever you want to achieve in life, you absolutely can. You just, you just have to do it. You have to build your life. Wonderful. That's a very, very important point for all of us at any age, personal responsibility. You know, that's, that's wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Judy, for having come on my uh, podcast. I have enjoyed it very much. I've learned a lot. And I hope that our listeners will enjoy it as much as I think we both have, you know, because I've certainly watched you you know, uh, coming up with these absolutely fantastic ideas and answers that I'm, I'm I, well, I'm very surprised and I learned a lot. Oh, I appreciate so it, Diana. You. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure and it was a lot of fun.
Yeah, for me too. Well, I hope to see you soon. I'll have you on again because I'm sure you'll come up with a lot of new ideas. Mm -hmm. So anyway, bye-bye. Thank you again.